Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into the nightcap. Zach Jones along with you here on WGR. Happy Thursday. The week is almost over. We are now exactly one week away from the Bills kicking off the season in L.A. against the Rams. We're actually... Still, I think about one week and like 25 hours or something like that because the game kicks off at 8.20, something around those lines. I know by the end of the show, we still technically won't be exactly a week away. But it has gotten to a point now where, man, like I just want to get the season started. The final three practice squad spots got announced today for the Bills. That's tight end Zach Davidson, cornerback Kyler McMichael, and offensive tackle Ryan Vandermark. I... I'm just, I want the season to get started. I'm sitting here now. I'm I'm a big college football junkie. I have been for years. And I'm sitting here and I'm just, I'm giddy at the fact that Pittsburgh is going to take on uh, West Virginia. I, I, I care for neither of those teams realistically. Well, Pittsburgh, I guess I have somewhat of a rooting interest in just because I've, I've been to that city a ton and it, I, you know, I guess it's about it. West Virginia, I have no, no connection to at all. But like I'm excited to watch college football again. I'm I'm stoked for this weekend, as that's really the official start of the college football season. Week zero is always kind of it's like weird, like oh cool the games are on and then it just stops. It's one day and that's it, and it's always kind of a weird feel. But football, in a realistic sense, is back. We're now at a point where everyone's gearing up. Any injury now is sort of you know it's really really serious. Any sort of you know, kind of big news out of a team is very, very serious because there really is no more time to get ready for week one. Week one is here. And let's talk about some news we got in the NFL world today. Of course, that being the big news, Russell Wilson's massive contract extension with the Denver Broncos. He signs a five-year extension worth $245 million, $165 million that is fully guaranteed and this now locks Wilson into the Denver Broncos roster until he's 40 years old. As this adds, or this five-year extension adds on to the two years he already has, so it's a seven-year contract. The Denver Broncos, to me, have, con- have consistently been this team that I am just, I look at them, and I don't know how best to gauge them. I don't know where I'm at 100% with the Denver Broncos. I, I know they're... Plus minus differential was fantastic last year. I know for the last two years we've all like it really you know the prevailing point there has been well they're a quarterback away. I know, I know, but there's a part of me that still doesn't like them. There's there's a part of me still sitting there going maybe this won't work. I brought it up a few weeks ago and it's you know I, this is a part of it. But Russell Wilson to me, I used to really really like Wilson and I still like watching him play. That hasn't changed. I think I still think he has one of the prettiest deep balls in football and consistently got the most out of what I thought was very 
subpar Seattle teams. I think outside of some of the receivers and really Wilson himself, once the Legion of Boom kind of started to retire and, and move on, it was they were very subpar teams, and he got the most out of them. But this offseason, he has come off as, as such a weird guy that I, I, I can't really take seriously. There is sort of that rah-rah thing. I, you know, I was in athletics for most of my life. I was a college swimmer, so I, 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 I get the rah-rah aspect. I was never that guy. I, I never could get up for either a coach or a, a, a fellow athlete like giving like this big speech every week. It just it, it did not do it for me. But I was also in a far more individualistic sport. I was a swimmer, and you know, while you had realized it really was kind of you and you alone a lot of the time. But Russell Wilson, to me, has always just given off this like very fake persona. And I was fine with it when he was in Seattle. Because it felt like he was still going to kill you on the field. Like, there was still that, like, oh, he's a super nice guy, smiling, you know, and all that stuff. And then he got on the football field, and it, it just, the way he played felt like he, like, flipped a switch. That he just was out for blood, and he was going to end your life. I get the exact opposite feeling with him now in Denver. And I don't know how, I, I, I don't think the, it's, it's weird where I'm sitting with this Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson extension. I don't hate it by any means. I think they should absolutely lock Russell Wilson in. They need a quarterback and they need to make sure that he's locked in for, you know, the rest of his career. I think Seattle was foolish to get rid of Russell Wilson. But even now I'm sitting here and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. I think after year one, though, we're going to get a very, very clear understanding of what Denver's going to be. Denver's, Denver's highest highs this year is the favorite in the AFC, running to the Super Bowl, taking the AFC West crown away from the Chiefs, stomping out the Chargers before they get any sort of confidence, and they win their second Super Bowl in, you know, in a 10-year period. Their lowest low? Eight and nine, seven and ten. Russell Wilson for you know the second straight year, third straight year even, starts off probably really really hot. He's on fire. Looks like he might win the MVP because that's a huge storyline that follows Russell Wilson now. Basically every season, the fact that he's never got an MVP vote and now it's just well he's never even won an MVP. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in football. He is going to me. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. But that to me is their low point eight nine seven and ten and I think both could absolutely happen and and that's where and that's why I think I get uncomfortable with the Denver Broncos I like in my mind especially with what is perceived to be good teams or you know solid teams to have a very clear picture of what I think they could be but for me with the Denver Broncos it, it fluctuates so much that I don't want to look at week one as any kind of like prevailing thought of what they're going to be. They're playing the Seattle Seahawks. I think Seattle is a garbage team this year. I think they're absolutely going to be tanking for either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young at quarterback. So I'm not going to get much out of week one from them. And it just, I think we're going to get to a point where you're just sitting there and until like weeks four or five, I, I won't have like a good read on them. I think the opposite is true for the Buffalo Bills. I think after four or five weeks, you're going to have a very good read on where the team is at. They start with the Rams. They play the Titans early on. They get the Chiefs in week five. They get the the, uh, the Packers right out of the bye. You know, you're going to have a good feel. They get uh, Baltimore in weeks three or four, one of the two. So you're going to have a, an idea of where they're at, what's going on there. 
the Chiefs, I think the same thing. You're going to have a, a strong understanding of where they're at. And I think a lot of that, too, for both those teams, this example, is that they're not adding this insane new piece that makes you th- sit there and completely change your mind about what the team is. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are still there. The Bills added Von Miller, but they've been a very, very good defensive team ever since Sean McDermott got here from Carolina. The Chiefs lost Tyree Kill, yes, but Sky Moore looked fantastic, that wide receiver that they drafted this year out of Western Michigan. But Denver's the complete opposite to me. Tim Patrick goes down with an injury, nothing crazy. I think they can definitely survive that. But they bring in Russell Wilson, and last year they were, you know, Drew Locke was their guy, and it was a disaster. But I think along with that, I'm, I'm also almost wondering how good Denver's weapons are. Right? Like, Tim Patrick, I think, could actually hurt him being hurt far more than people are realizing. I'm not the biggest fan of Jerry Judy now that he's in the NFL. Loved him coming out of Alabama. I thought he was one of the smoothest route runners I've ever seen coming from the college game into the NFL game. I thought he was spectacular. And that was, and I've I've talked about it on this show a lot, you know, these elite traits that can just transition to the NFL. Who's got them? Who doesn't? And to me, Jerry Judy, as a wide receiver, just had some of the smoothest and cleanest and most aggressive route running you're going to see from a college receiver. And that's still prevalent in his game. You can still see it. His hands, though, are such a concern. And we as Bills fans know that, you know, all too well, Dawson Knox has been somebody that, you know, over his entire NFL career, he has really had to establish himself hands-wise. But Knox had an excuse. He really just never got thrown the ball in college. Judy was one of the best receivers in college football. He got thrown the ball a lot. He was their best receiver, one of their best receivers. So, you know, what's going on there? That's been, you know, tough for me to kind of gauge what's going on there. And that's the thing, too. It's like, are his stats great? No, but you can kind of understand why they're not that great because who his quarterback was. You know, Drew Locke really being the main one you're kind of like all right yeah well you know his, his stats are not going to be great but through two years his first year he had almost 900 yards 52 catches 836 yards three touchdowns his second year though he played in 10 games only started five 467 receiving yards and no touchdowns i love Cortland sutton i think that's like the only guy wide receiver wise that i really like and then we saw their their bench players against the Buffalo Bills not that long ago, and they looked completely outmatched. Completely outmatched. And this was something, and I brought this up with uh, Derek Kramer on the overtime show after that game, that I wouldn't put too much mind into that, usually. It was until, though, that I saw Denver reporters talking about how it's starting to get starting to get concerning that this is now the second week in a row that their backups are just getting smacked around by every other team's backups. And then it started kind of like, you know, the light kind of went off and it was like, "Ooh, why is that going on? What what's happening there?" And then you add in the fact that they have a new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. Some head coaches come in their first year, they hit the ground running. Nick Sirianni for the Eagles is one that, you know, really comes to mind for me cuz last year I think the Eagles team, I think the Eagles this year are very, very talented. But last year, not so much. And he was able to turn that team into a playoff team in a weaker NFC. But, I mean, that's a huge win for them. You know, Sean McVay from a few years ago is sort of the same thing with the Rams. I don't know what Nathaniel Hackett will be for the Denver Broncos, for Russell Wilson. I have no idea. 
but it is going to be interesting. But Denver's going to be a team for me, I think for a lot of the beginning part of the year, probably till at least mid-October. I'm just going to be very, I don't want to say lost on, but will definitely be, you know, susceptible to having people change my mind on them because I just, I do not have a set in stone feeling about that team at all. I just don't. Going around the rest of the NFL, some other news today. The Titans had a tough day. Started today, though, with the announcement that Derrick Henry got a, his contract was restructured. He got $2 million in bonuses for this year, but his final year of his contract is in 2023. Then they got some tough news from practice today. Harold Landry tore his ACL, an elite pass rusher for them, 26 years old, and he had 12 sacks last year. That is a huge loss. I think especially for a team that I think completely opposite of the Denver Broncos, I think I fully know well how this season is going to go for them, and I think it's going to go poorly. If if I'm being completely honest, I think it'll go poorly. I think Sneaky Joe was talking about it this morning with uh, Jeremy White on the Howard and Jeremy show that, you know, what what would happen or how would you feel if the Tennessee Titans beat the Buffalo Bills week two? The home opener, Monday Night Football, how would you feel about that? That game, while it wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say it would rate on the Jacksonville Jaguars from last year's scale. I mean, that game was truly just, you kind of sat there flabbergasted for the entire thing going, how is this game still close? This team is a joke. They're barely an NFL franchise. What is happening? I think it would register, though, last year's Pittsburgh Steelers game. Where Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm going into that game almost, you know, full well. I, and, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a, you know, too confident. You know, maybe I got to, like, tone it back a little bit. But I fully expect, at worst, the Bills are 1-1 one one after two weeks. I fully expect that. Because the Tennessee Titans, to me, are just not a good football team this year. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Derrick Henry, while yes, he is the face of their franchise, he is not the kind of guy that is going to, I think, really move the Richter scale, I guess, in terms of like how good the team actually is. A.J. Brown was that guy. Derrick Henry is a spectacular running back, and he is, in my mind, the only guy I can think of right now at the running back position who is a Hall of Famer of this current crop. He's the only guy. But A.J. Brown was the real difference maker there everyone knew you were going to run with with Derrick Henry he'd run the ball 34 times a game he'd break off two or three of them to get well over 100 yards but they would try to grind you into the dirt A.J. Brown though there's very few cornerbacks in the NFL not let alone can keep up with him and keep him you know from getting wide open but physically you know attack the ball against him he was a force for Tennessee and they just seemingly treated him like he was just, you know, we can replace you. We're going to get Traylon Burks in the draft. We're fine. And Traylon Burks may be fine. But they're really risking it if they think, oh, yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're just going to replace A.J. Brown with Traylon Burks. It's one for one. We're good. Because I, I doubt that. I, I fully doubt that. Then you add in the fact that Ryan Tannehill, now that Arthur Smith is gone, had a not great year. 
even though they were the one seed, he himself did not have a good year. And that too, I mean, Tennessee being the one seed last year, nobody believed that. It was just kind of one of those like, oh, I I, I guess they're the one seed. And then they lost. Last year for Tannehill, 67 completion percentage, 21 touchdowns, 14 picks. And of course they went 12-5. and five. That's the thing, he was just a fine quarterback. He did nothing to really... He did nothing to really push the team to his next level. I would say 2020 Ryan Tannehill was really darn good. 16 games, 33 touchdowns, 7 picks, 65 completion percentage. That was pretty darn good. And the year prior, 2019, 22 touchdowns, 6 picks. He did that in 10 games. That was... that was. I thought Tannehill may have developed into an elite quarterback. But you can see the difference there. Those two years, he had Arthur Smith as his offensive coordinator. He had guys like A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry. 2021, he loses them. Touchdowns dip. Yes, Derrick Henry was gone, but they were surviving at best. They seemingly were just able to just survive, get through games, and move on. I think that Monday night game, I think especially now when you talk about the loss of Harold Landry, a, a force on that Tennessee defensive line. 12 sacks last year was spectacular for him. Him not being there... Tennessee, I think, really could be in it for what turns into a rebuild season. Mike Schoep's been bringing it up the last two nights, too, of um, Malik Willis, the quarterback they drafted out of third round out of Liberty. I Look, I, I fell into a bit of the trap, too. I think he has been one of the most, I think you now say, like notorious prospects of the difference between you know draft media and the actual NFL's feeling on him. I thought Malik Willis was a lock for the first round. I thought Pittsburgh could really go for him because Mike Tomlin talked about he wants a quarterback that could be mobile. I thought Detroit really could have been at him at, at second overall. I really did, just to, just to get that quarterback, got the physical tools, and then draft guys as they go. But you know, to be fair, Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan guy, he looks to be a stud pass rusher as well. That could really work out for them. But you know, what, what, what is it going to take for them now to just decide, all right, got to go to Malik Willis? The last two years they've been playoff teams. Sorry, the last three years they've been playoff teams. 2019, they had the, the huge upset over not only New England, but of course Baltimore, the one seed that year. They make it all the way to the AFC Championship game against Kansas City Chiefs. They do fall. 2020, they play a game, the wild card round, I want to say, against Baltimore again, and Baltimore gets that win. And then 21, they fall to the eventual AFC recipient in the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals. It's that one, to me, that magical year in 2019. And it was slightly magical. I mean, Tannehill was was putting up stats on par with Patrick Mahomes. He was playing out of his mind. And then since then, it's been kind of sort of trying to capture that feeling again. I think as well, you're in such a loaded AFC, and I think they're in an AFC as well. We're going to have Mike Dempsey on with Show the Bulldog tomorrow. Talk a little Jacksonville Jaguars as well. Jacksonville this year, to me, is, is that team I'm going to be paying attention to. Not because I think they can make the playoffs, and I think I've made this point before, but not that I think they can make the playoffs, but because I think they're just going to be that frustrating as hell team for everyone to play. That Trevor Lawrence does take a huge step forward, because every report out of Jacksonville, even from the national media, has been Lawrence looks completely different this year. 
He looks in complete control. The the flow of the team feels more in line with an NFL franchise. That's you're going to get that from a Super Bowl winning coach and Doug Peterson. You, you, I mean, you just are. And I just there's there's something about Jacksonville this year that makes me think. I think I think they're going to finish second in that division. Maybe an eight nine record, seven and ten, but I think they're going to finish second in that division because I think Tennessee is poor. I think Tennessee is just not a good team. I think they're absolutely going to move off of Malik Willis. Obviously, or I'm sorry, they're going to move off of Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, because they drafted Malik Willis, yes, in the third round, but in part that's just because he fell. That's just how the dice rolled. That he just, he fell to the third round. They got him, and he had some electric plays in this preseason. He showed off that he could be a Lamar Jackson light type player. Now that's my fear, though is that Malik Willis falls into a very similar situation that Lamar Jackson has found himself in. That he's in a old-school team where you know they don't pay their receivers, they're going to pay their running backs, and they're going to win the game by dominating time of possession and, and grinding teams into the dirt. And then you have the Chiefs, Bills, Chargers just thrown over the top and just blowing teams out. And in the fourth quarter, they're like, whatever, I guess we'll run now. Now, with that all being said, I can't talk too much smack about it as a Bills fan because the last two times the Bills have played the Tennessee Titans, they've lost. But to me, I think I think Tennessee has gotten rid of the one key weapon that really just frustrated the Bills to no end, and that is A.J. Brown. Now, they do get Robert Woods. He's in now. Of course, I've mentioned Traylon Burks. But... If you're asking me, again, and I, 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 know, I know the last two times the Bills have played the Tennessee Titans, they have lost. But if you're asking me right now, between the two number 17s that will take the field that day, between Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill, who I think will absolutely lose that game, it's Ryan Tannehill. I, there's no, nowhere in my mind can I see him out-dueling Josh Allen. Not in Buffalo, not on Monday Night Football. The home opener, maybe the most anticipated season of the last 25 years, not a chance. I think the Bills start 1-1, one and, one, and losing guys like Harold Landry for the Tennessee Titans, to me, just reaffirms that belief. I think without a doubt, it reaffirms that belief for me. Some other news we got today. The Texans have signed former Bills tight end O.J. Howard. I feel bad for O.J. Howard. I do, because I, there was a lot of fanfare with him coming in, and it kind of was like, oh, I, I, I remember that name coming out of Alabama, a lot of physical ability, but that torn Achilles just... It took all kind of pop and, and kind of what made O.J. Howard devastating for defenses to play against. It took all of that away. And that's, I mean, that's what torn Achilles do now. They just take any oomph you have away in your athleticism. They, it really does. It is now the new torn ACL. Where before ACL tears usually just, I mean, they meant the end of your career. Kajana Carter is a running back I think of a lot with that for the Cincinnati Bengals. That knee injury, gone. This is rookie year, gone, done. But with Howard, it is going to be interesting with the Texans. I like Davis Mills. I'm I'm something now. I, I've become a bit of a Davis Mills truther because I've had to defend him against a lot of lazy lists of ranking the second-year quarterbacks. Just, you know, because he was the last guy picked, we'll just put him last. I've, I've had to become somewhat of a Davis Mills defender. I am worried, though, with the Texans and how little talent there is. They got to um, allocate some of their picks back because of the Deshaun Watson trade. But 
I still think they're a long way away. I, I really do. I think Bill O'Brien did a ton, a ton of damage to that team when he became both head coach and GM, trading away guys like DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt. And, of course, the Deshaun Watson stuff, both him wanting out, but then also the sexual assault allegations that came up against him. And it's just the Houston Texans, to me, almost feel like a a team in flux. They don't really know where they're going, but they're willing to figure it out. And I like that they picked a guy like Davis Mills, but I don't want his career to be ruined because he went to a team that just essentially, I've said it with the Bears, just wasn't ready to draft him. Where the Bears, I think, have a full-blown plan of, look, Justin, stay upright this year, don't get hurt, keep developing, and we've got a crap ton of cap space for next year. They, The Bears are going to have by far the most cap space in the NFL next free agency. I mean, just without a doubt. And they might have one of the you know top three picks in next year's draft to pick maybe the best offensive lineman in the draft. Grab, you know, a, a receiver or two in free agency of the draft and really build up their team. Houston, I just, I don't get that feeling from at all. And I'm worried because I do like Davis Mills, but I also love Justin Fields. We're going to take a quick time out and we come back. Some breaking news in the NBA from earlier today. I want to talk about Donovan Mitchell on his way to the Cleveland Cavaliers. How does, how, like you know, as a, you know, sort of Knicks fan, it's just, it feels par for the course. We'll talk about that. And of course, some college football updates when we get back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. We're here on a Thursday night. Very nice, cool breeze going on outside. It wasn't the 80s. It was around like the 70s all day. It was gorgeous. Had the windows down driving into work. Oh, I love that feeling. It's it, There's a similar feeling of just like, for me, that's when I know like winter was done. I get to roll down the windows the first time and just drive to work, drive home, whatever it is, and just, oh, so nice. Same thing of on these cool days. I'm not putting the AC on because it's you know 90 degrees outside. I can just roll down the windows, relax, have some good music on. It's phenomenal. Before we take our attention to the NBA, we're going to go to the phones where we've got Tony standing by. Tony, welcome to the Nightcap. What you got for me, man? Hey, good evening, bud. Thanks for taking my call. You know, listening to you and uh, you know, it's never an easy game against that Titans franchise. Even going back when they were the Oilers. I've been watching and understanding since 81, so i got a little bit of time on you. But it's like there, there's this handful of teams that the Bills play, no matter which either franchise, whatever their state of being is that particular season, it always seems like it's a street fight kind of game. You don't know, you know, it, it's never a shoe-in, you know, and, and like Titans are one. Jacksonville's another one, uh, Denver, the Patriots, and like say uh, Seattle. When you, when if you look at all them games throughout, like you know the last forty seasons, you'll see what I'm saying. It's just you just don't know. You know, it's never you know if this team is great and the other one's not having a good season. It, there's always there's always seems to be a surprise against them teams. Yeah, uh, Tony, thanks so much for calling in and. I, you're you're definitely right. I'm like, there's a number of teams, especially for the Bills. I mean, obviously we're Bills fans, so like we we very much zero on these few teams. But like Tennessee's absolutely one of them. It like you're right. It, it's a, it's grinded out. It's frustrating as hell to play them. Even the uh, the one game Josh is is won against the Titans, it took a last minute fourth quarter touchdown to Duke Williams to win the game for them to take the lead. And that was against the Marcus Mariota led Tennessee Titans. Jacksonville, of course. 
We have, you know, last year's disaster. But, you know, even the playoff game against the wild card game, the ugliest playoff game of all time, and the Jaguars win it. And Blake Bortles was their quarterback. So, I mean, like there are a number of teams. I think New England has gotten to a point, though, where we're sort of we're, we're pushing against them a little bit more. Now it's, it's you know, Brady's gone, and, and now the Bills have the elite quarterback. And I think New England's kind of becoming just, I mean, I think they're falling more behind, you know, the eight ball in terms of, how to actually do things in the NFL. I think they're falling behind in that sense. Denver's one of them. At absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the one game I can think of, like definitively, where the Bills just whooped them uh, was 2020. Jay Kumaro's touchdown game. That's really it. But, Tony, thanks for calling in. And that is us getting connected to our fans. That's brought to you by the law firm of Gelber and O'Connell. They take your personal injury cases personally. We're going to transition a little bit over to the NBA just because we did have some breaking news today. And, of course, you know, the team involved, the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's our Lake Erie neighbor. I know a lot of Buffalo people, we don't have an NBA team anymore. Of course, they had the L.A. Clippers. They moved in the, you know, the 80s or 70s. So, you know, a lot of people didn't grow up in Buffalo as a Buffalo Braves fan. But I, know, I do know a lot of Buffalo fans who are Cleveland Cavaliers fans, and they just <laughs> stabbed Nick fans in the heart. It didn't even necessarily mean to. But the Cleveland Cavaliers have traded for Utah's star guard donovan mitchell they give away three unprotected first round picks it's a two pick swap as well and players lori markinen colin sexton and ocher ojibaji i do want to just talk about this for just a few minutes just because i i really i love what the cleveland cavaliers are building especially post lebron james i think that's for a lot of people especially people my age we really only know the LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers. There's the first run where it was essentially LeBron and everybody else, and he was and he really put them on their shoulder, and that was kind of it. Like that was like their moment. And then you have their run in the 80s and 90s. Of course, they have you know a famous series against Michael Jordan, but you know they only have the one title that they got back in 2016 against the uh, against the Golden State Warriors. Kevin Durant, of course. Um, stole from sports fans what could have been one of the better rivalries in sports of the 2020s, but it's whatever. I'm not bitter about it. But the Cleveland Cavaliers, to me, have really, really been building quietly, and it's getting louder. Obviously, now, of course, you know today's news being kind of the loudest drum-banging for the Cavaliers. They've been building a team that is just, I think it both it's both built the right way because they're doing it drafting and, and, and building and bringing guys, and then through trades. And now it's made Cleveland one of the more exciting rosters in the NBA, especially a young, young roster that they have. Darius Garland now is going to be uh, paired with Donovan Mitchell. That's going to be one of the best backcourts in the East. And then their frontcourt with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley is just by far and away one of the best defensive front uh, frontcourts in all of basketball. Not just the East, in all of basketball. And Evan Mobley, coming off of his rookie year, he is only going to get better. He is 6'11", one of the best shot blockers in the NBA, and he comes in after averaging 15 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, and almost 2 blocks per game. He's only going to get better. And now, none of these guys necessarily are going to have to be the face of the franchise. Donovan Mitchell comes in now, a guy that was already the face of a franchise in Utah. Utah does absolutely love their jazz. I mean, I very rarely have seen a franchise coming from a somewhat smaller market or somewhat just smaller sports market 
Utah is not really huge in terms of sports outside of college football with BYU and Utah. But they love the Jazz. Those arena, that arena is rocking almost all the time whenever they're playing. He, though, was the face of that franchise from the word go coming out of Louisville. Averaged 20 points as a rookie and has seemingly only gotten better. But Utah kind of hit a wall a little bit. You know, there is only so far you can go. And this is where I do like football better than basketball. Basketball really is dominated by both market size and who the best teams are at the time. And it can be very, very frustrating if you're just not one of those dynasty teams. Because if you're not, it's very likely you won't actually get a championship, even if you have a great player. Utah, Donovan Mitchell might be, he probably is one of their top three players of all time. He only played with the team for five seasons. But that's how good he's been. And now he's going off to Cleveland. But I think, to me, the real big story here is the team that didn't get him. And that is the New York Knicks. Donovan Mitchell is kind of from the area. He went to Louisville, yes, for college, but he's from that area. And the Knicks have desperately been looking for that star guard for as long as I've been alive. By far as long as I've been alive. They get Jalen Brunson in what I thought. I, I you know I, I talked about it when the, when the deal broke. I think it was like maybe my second or third show that I thought Jalen Brunson, if they got him for $20 million less, I would have thought it would have been one of the best signings in free agency. But they signed him for well over $100 million, and it was just like, oh boy, that's quite a bit. But if you paired him with Donovan Mitchell, that would have been one of the better backcourts in the East. Instead, now they have to look over at Cleveland as they continue to just build, in my opinion, what is becoming a juggernaut. It's slowly, because it's a young team, but Brooklyn's going to age out pretty soon. And then it's going to be like Cleveland and Boston. Miami's going to age out pretty soon. I think Cleveland and Boston, we could be getting towards those two having a very, very good rivalry in the East to see who's going to get to finals appearances. And even Golden State itself may be aging out. I like Jordan Poole as a player, but let's all be honest, Steph Curry's just different. He's a top-five player, in my opinion, in NBA history. He has just completely changed the game. He's allowed shorter guards to really make a name for themselves in the NBA. He's made shooting uh, not a low percentage thing, but something that you can build an offense around. And I think Cleveland could be on their way to, like, they're building it the right way by trades, drafting. They're not overspending for free agents. They're not luring guys over and building super teams. They're just drafting. They're doing exactly what Golden State did when they initially made their run. The only difference is, is they saw Donovan Mitchell, a player of his caliber, become available at the age of 25 years old. They're going to get him for his prime years. And now they're going to make a run. Now, I will say this, though. The Jazz have been making a number of trades. And now the next five or six drafts in the NBA are just going to be dominated by Oklahoma City and Utah. If you're a top player now in the NBA or in, in college or in high school and, and you're looking to come out pretty soon, it, it's gonna it's like there's a weird likelihood that you will be drafted by either Utah or Oklahoma City. I think Oklahoma City is gonna be try, uh, they're eventually gonna try to become what Cleveland is now, where it's just a ton of draft picks. Two or three of these guys absolutely hit. They become stars, and they become you know faces of the franchise. And they push all their chips in, and they go for it. They can become that. But right now, I just I love what Boston's doing. We uh, we were talking about it a lot. Me and uh, Sneaky Joe DiBiase on the Extra Point Show, 
during the NBA Finals, we were talking about how it's just it's almost uncomfortable how likable that Boston team was with Jason Tatum as the face of it. It was just like, man, like you know, I'm I'm so used in my you know sports life to. Just, revel in Boston losing and I wanted Golden State to win and they did and I loved that but a part of me was like but I kind of like this Boston Celtics team which is super strange because if, if we're being honest it's you know it's before my time because for my time it's much more you, you hate the New England Patriots and you like you felt bad for the Red Sox but you kind of hated their fans but like, it was you know for me it was the Patriots and for years though for a lot of people it was the Bruins and then the pinnacle of just I hate Boston, bleep Boston, all that, was the Celtics. And yet in the NBA Finals, I was sitting there going, I'd be okay if this went seven. I'd be okay if some guys really made a name for themselves on this Boston team because I really liked them. I thought they were a good team. They were a lot of fun. But I think Cleveland's on its way. And Cleveland, to me, is still a fun team. I really like them. Number one, I love when they won their title in 2016. I know LeBron is a very divisive figure in sports i love lebron i i've come to appreciate michael jordan much more as i've gotten older i think especially uh the the last dance documentary really opened up my eyes and i think a lot of people my age their eyes to the psyche of michael jordan his career as well because it's 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 tough it's tough to tell an honest retelling of a of a player of michael jordan's caliber i think we'll get to that point too with other star players, Connor McDavid in hockey is going to be one of these guys where we just, in some way, it almost becomes folktale, folklore type stuff where it's like, it's like 50% true. But like, the the idea is correct, but some of the numbers are really skewed. Michael Jordan was just different for his era. His era was filled with pretty darn good players and some really solid Hall of Fame level talent. I think the current NBA is much more talented in terms of skill. But Jordan, just in a level of which say what you will whenever he went over to baseball was it you know the rumors of course of him being suspended for two years because of gambling yeah I, I think that one's kind of bogus but yeah I don't know or he really just he goes to baseball because his dad wanted him to whatever it was but regardless he came back they lost that playoff series to Orlando and then they went on another three-peat and that's it's it's weird how you know that 2016 run with with LeBron and and the Cavs. I was rooting for the Cavs so hard just because I, not only did I want LeBron to win one for his home city, I just wanted Cleveland to win one. This is before obviously all the Deshaun Watson stuff. This was still when you know the Browns were awful, and at that point and at, at that time it was the Cleveland Indians. Uh, I want to say they had they were they were going to lose pretty soon to the Chicago Cubs, but so they really didn't have anything. You know, you knew him from major leagues, and that was and that's a great movie. So I, I rooted for him so hard in that 2016 finals, just for LeBron to get a ring, but really for the city of Cleveland to get a ring. Because for me, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, like they're kind of they got the same field. They're obviously the Lake Erie teams, and it seems like Pittsburgh wins all the titles that should be like divided amongst the three cities. Outside of like the Pirates, the Pittsburgh Pirates are trash, but you know the Steelers with all their Super Bowl wins, and the of course the Penguins with two of literally the greatest hockey players of all time in Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby. And I want to say they got him within like a two year window of each other. They were one of the most dominant, you know, teams of my of my lifetime. The the Sidney Crosby Pittsburgh Penguins were just absurd in their talent. Of any Malkin, of course, being a part of that as well. 
So it was nice to see Cleveland get one, get a championship. And that's where like, I'm, I'm now more than I have been in, in my entire life of just, I don't want to say desperate for the bills to win a championship, but we've had a number of callers bring up the 06, 07 Sabres run and, and, and you know, remember to enjoy it. And I, I'm having a really tough time reminding myself to enjoy it. I love football. You know, this will be something that you'll hear from me a lot where I just, I, I, I just enjoy watching football. I have, you know, West Virginia, Pittsburgh on right now just because I like, I like watching football. I, it's my favorite sport to watch. I didn't play it much as a kid. I just, you know, that was not my athletic forte. But I, I'm I'm worried that I won't enjoy this season, that I won't enjoy the high moments because in my mind it should just get to the playoffs, just get to the playoffs, just get to the playoffs. When in reality it should be, you know, hey, like, you know, we're six and two or, or you know, eight and one, whatever, you know, whatever it winds up being, and you're like, man, I'm like, I'm just this is unbelievable. Like I, I have to remind myself all the time that, you know, five years ago, you know, kid in college. You know, I was down in Pennsylvania in college with a bunch of Steelers fans and, and one Carolina Panthers fan, and I'm basically sitting there going, I would take Andy Dalton in a heartbeat. That level of quarterback talent, I'd take him in a heartbeat because my life was Ryan Fitzpatrick really before he was Fitzmagic. I mean, let's all be honest with ourselves. Like We got like the like the prologue to Fitzmagic, but we did not get the, the peak chapters of that. We, we just certainly didn't. And Tyrod Taylor, and I love Tyrod Taylor. But he was very limited. And so when we picked Josh Allen and the, you know, the consensus on him was like either likely he'll be a complete disaster or he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in football. I was sitting there in my mind. I was like, well, there's no way the Bills are going to get one of the best quarterbacks in football. So I guess he's going to be a complete disaster. Well, well, let's see what happens. And here we are with one of the best quarterbacks in football going into his fifth year. It's unbelievable. I watched his entire interview today with, Chris Sims of NBC Sports. It was just, it was so eye-opening to like to listen to him talk about, you know, how he changes his mechanics and how initially he kind of threw a lot like a pitcher off the mound and 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 transitioned that and even how he incorporated the Aaron Rodgers little uh, hop step. It's fascinating, but I I hope the Bills this year have a run like the 2016 Cavs, where it's just, you know, eventually. NFL fan bases who just aren't in the playoffs so they get knocked out just start rooting for the Bills because they're like, go get one. Like, everyone knows about 0-4 and, and then the drought, and it'll be one of those where it's like, go get it. Yeah. And especially because quarterbacks like, you know, I think Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson still have their haters, but in a broader sense, a lot of people felt bad for them. I mean, I, I remember draft day. They only had four quarterbacks of the Big Five. They just completely forgot about Lamar Jackson and then all of the articles you could read about Josh Allen, your parody of a prospect and stuff like that. I think it's very much endeared both these players to a lot of football fans. Some still don't like them. Others really have gravitated towards them and want to see them succeed. And I just, you know, I, 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 in my opinion, even if I was a neutral fan, let's say if I was on the West Coast and I was a San Francisco 49ers fan, if the 49ers got eliminated from the playoffs, I think I'd be rooting for the Buffalo Bills. And I, and I really hope that is a thing, because I think that'd be a lot of fun, like just, just to see the country sort of rally around a team who in the 90s was a juggernaut. They lost all four, but now in the 2020s, they look like they could be a juggernaut again, and they get that first one out of the way. To me, that's the most important thing. I don't care if there's a dynasty or they win four or five with Allen or, or you know whatever it is, or he has more than Mahomes. I don't, just get me the first one. Just <laughs> give me a story I can tell my kids and grandkids you know, 40, 50 years down the road. That's all I'm asking for. That's what I want to see. And I think they really got a shot doing it this year. I really, really do. And I just, I need week one to get here. 
I next Thursday cannot come soon enough. We're going to take a quick time out when we come back. We're going to wrap up the show on a Thursday here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. We're going to be here just for a few more minutes as we wrap up a Thursday night here on WGR. Some college football updates as we have the backyard brawl going on between West Virginia and Pittsburgh. West Virginia just took the lead 7-3. to JT Daniels is the quarterback for West Virginia. I completely forgot he left Georgia. Like, I remember hearing him leave both USC when he when he initially left. He went to Georgia, and I was like, all right, well, you know, that sucks, but good for him. And then I, just, I completely forgot that he left Georgia to go to West Virginia. But, you know, good for him. He's starting there. And they might actually be Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's ranked, by the way, number 17th in the country, even after losing Kenny Pickett and Jordan Atkinson, or Addison, excuse me, the best receiver in college football last year. It's good for them. Tonight, though, I got some other plans as well. 9 o'clock, the most expensive television show ever created airs on Amazon Prime, the new Lord of the Rings show. I am a nerd. I like that stuff. I'm a big Game of Thrones junkie. Uh, I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I grew up on Harry Potter, all that stuff. I I used to be a big reader as well uh, late into high school and most of my college run. I do got to say, though, $465 million to produce a single season of television seems like a risky business decision if uh like i like i don't know about that one lord of the rings was very very popular in the early 2000s with the peter jackson's movies but um i don't know again for 465 million dollars seems like a horribly risky business business decision from amazon with the show the trailers it looks gorgeous but i will tell you as someone that, that does know about you know the era of the show in which it's set i still have no idea what the story is, even after, I think, three or four trailers. Going to be interesting. Both, uh, the first two episodes drop tonight, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, again on Amazon Prime. I'm excited to watch that. Should uh, should be at least, you know, a solid night. And, of course, I've got college football on, so, you know, even if the show's bad, I'll just flip that on. But that's going to do it for me here on the Nightcap on WGR. I'll be back, of course, tomorrow at 3 o'clock with Mike Shope as we wrap up the week. Tomorrow is, of course, a Friday. And I'll be back here for the Nightcap at 7. So thank you for listening. Have a wonderful night.